Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space, I saw this quote, and the quote said, our history becomes our reflex. And my mind was like, Psh. And for me, what that means is, as someone who grew up in a violent household, right, where I was physically abused, verbally abused, mentally abused, I knew that no matter how much I didn't want to repeat that cycle, I had the propensity to become what I experienced because it's in me. It's sort of innate, right? It's like, this is my default because I experienced violence. If I don't do the work, I might be a violent person because that's literally what I witnessed. That's what's really in me, right? And so if I don't equip myself with tools, I very well may become the mother I always said I didn't want to become. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California? and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Our quote of the day. Intentional parenting is not about doing everything right. It's about being purposeful in your actions and interactions with your children. Author unknown. I'm going to say that again for the folks in the back. Intentional parenting is not about doing everything right. It's about being purposeful in your actions and interactions with your children. All right. OT. Girl, I love it. I think it's a great quote. I think it 
I was going to say it lets us off the hook in a way as parents, but not in a bad way, right? I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. letting someone off the hook has a negative connotation, but I love the fact that it's not about doing everything right because y'all know we be making mistakes out here as parents, but it's sobering and it's, it's helpful to know that it's about being purposeful in our actions, in our interactions with our children versus just doing what was done to us, you know what I mean? And just following the generational cycles that that we experience. So I, I think it's cool. I like it. And I love the fact that we are in this age where conscious parenting and intentional parenting, and some people call it gentle parenting, which I know can be a little triggering for some people. They're like, these kids ain't gentle. How am I a gentle parent? But I love the fact that this is a conversation because a lot of us, based on what we saw growing up, Based on what we experienced growing up, I know some of the elders, some of the old folks, they would be like, what are y'all talking like, What are you talking about? Okay. Spoiled a ride. What do they say? Spoiled a ride. Spoiled a child. What is, fair, what is that fair the ride. Fair the ride. Spoil the child. There you go. Keep me honest, Don. There you go. Y'all, y'all remember. Y'all know. Listen, I, you know, one, one thing that I see with the majority of my friends and family who are parenting is this intentionality to being different than how we were raised in a good way, right? Recognizing that, yeah, there are some things that truly was not helpful for us when we were growing up. And figuring out what are the things that were helpful and how to actually implement them without causing more trauma, which is very hard. Which is why I always say kudos to those of you who are doing it full time. Because that, that's a lot, it's a lot. It really is yes, a lot of work. And I don't think that a lot of people truly understand how much work goes into being a parent, but really the work of being an intentional parent. I would say an intentional and active parent because anyone can be a parent if you have a child, but when you're active in your child's life and you're intentional, it does take work, especially when you didn't see that growing up. I think about me, Dom, like, you know, we both had experience being parentified children and raising our, our siblings to some degree. And me raising my four younger siblings, although it prepared me so much for motherhood, people used to always tell me this. It is so different. Like it is so different when you have your own and when it's 24 seven, it's not like I turned this off. Like it's a mom, like that is who I am. And to my daughter and I, it's, it's work. So what we're going to do first lady, we're going to jump into some highlights of a few healthy and also some toxic parenting behaviors that we witnessed growing up. Now, let me just say, I'm trying to think where I want to go with this because I don't want to be petty, but I'm just being honest. I'm being real. Girl, I saw saw so much toxicity when it came to parenting growing up. I mean, I remember, and I think the world is changing too. Like people, I think we can all agree that people are more sensitive these days, right? Mm -hmm. So we are calling out bad behavior. So I think about growing up where a lot of people that I know, their first bully was their parent. 
their mother or their father, right? Ooh. That was the person Ooh. that would tease them about Belly. the way they looked, tease them about the way they sounded, or just make fun of them, right? Um, talk about the, their looks and or their their intellect or whatever it might be. I think about name calling. I think about just some of the foul shit that I heard parents say to their kids growing up. Things that were said to me, things that I've witnessed other people say, you're just like your big head ass daddy. Like just, just stuff where it's like, yo, why? This is a child. They're so impressionable. They're a sponge, you know? Right. And I think the hard part with a lot of that is that parents didn't realize that it was toxic behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Or that it was inappropriate. Because I also want to be mindful of how often I use the word toxic because sometimes it's not necessarily toxic. It's inappropriate, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that a lot of times certain behaviors that our parents just like subconsciously or instinctually engaged in was inappropriate, but wasn't intentionally meant to harm, right? And so I think that that's something that we also have to think about that when you become a parent, you can reflect on the experience that you had as a child and recognize the intent versus the impact, right? And hopefully maybe do something different with your child. Also acknowledging that your intent might not have the impact that you're hoping it does. That is so true. And a lot of times we won't know that until the child gets older. I, I can't remember what the quote said, but there was one quote that said, your child will probably be in therapy for you at some point in life. And it made me so sad because I was like, but I'm trying to be so intentional and I'm trying to do things the right way. But you never know how you're parenting, how it's going to impact your child until they get older and they reflect on those experiences. Yeah. Hey, lady, it's Terry here. Dom and I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We love you for real, and we want to give you a chance to learn more about what's important to us. So tell us what you think about this. Imagine a world where you have a chance to get featured on the Cultivating Her Space podcast and share your business, brand, or perspective with millions around the globe. Imagine joining our monthly virtual video check-ins where you can connect with like-minded Black women like you and share your ideas and episode suggestions with Terry and I. Now I want you to imagine a world where you're in the exclusive Cultivating Her Space Sanctuary Slack channel, and throughout your day and week, you are conversing with us about what's happening in your life and sharing funny gifts and your personal wins. How does that sound? Hopefully this is up your alley, lady, because we are taking things to the next level this year, and we're doubling down on investing in our community. That means you. Yay! We want to meet you, connect with you, and create communities of genuine women who love on Black women and push our culture and movement forward. We launched this podcast in 2019, and to date, we have not missed a week. We've been great stewards of our platform, all while working full-time and navigating our own ups and downs. We release fresh new content every single Friday, like clockwork, and we have hundreds of valuable episodes and workshops that can really help you uplevel your life. So if you love our mission or you've gotten value from us, we invite you to give back and help us push this community effort forward. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click Patreon. You can learn more about our goals and exclusive offerings on Patreon, and we highly 
highly encourage you to join the Sister Frontier so that you can get some one-on-one -on -one time with us. We also have an option for you to donate on a one-time basis if that meets your needs. Again, herspacepodcast.com and you can click that link that says Patreon. All right, lady. We'll hop right back into the conversation. I also think about the positive things too, right? That most of us got to where we are because there were positive folks in our lives, whether those were our parents or other caregivers. We got to where we are because there were positive people in our lives at some point. And oftentimes I wonder about, okay, maybe I might not be the best cook, but my mom made sure I learned those skills, right? So at a minimum, now I'm gonna back up and just clarify that I am a good cook, but I'm gonna just, <laughs> I'm gonna just say that maybe I'm not out here cooking gourmet meals every day, but I learned the basic skills of cooking so that I could survive, right? I know how to keep a clean home whether I do it myself or I pay somebody to do it, I know how to keep a clean home because I was taught how to wash dishes, how to clean a stove, how to wash windows, how to do the laundry. I was taught all of these basic life skills. Whether I wanted to do them or not, I was taught them. And I think, you know, as a kid, we think about a lot of things that our parents make us do, like chores, and we look at it with such disdain and like, Ugh, I don't want to. Why am I getting up on Saturday morning to clean the house? Because you need to know how to keep a clean house. Because what are you going to do as an adult? All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned to get those promo codes and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us 
and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an icon and our favorite rich auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And so I think that there are lots of skills that our parents taught us that we despised doing when we were kids, but as an adult are necessary for our survival. And because yes. when I look at people that don't know how to do it, how to sort laundry Hmm, okay let's back up and let's have that conversation because you missed something back then not mm, okay (laughs) i feel you though no that's that's the truth dom i think about just some confidence best practices and just how to care for myself as a woman like being a clean woman who's you know who prioritizes personal hygiene and stuff like that. Those are things that I kind of took for granted because my mom was just very adamant about us being very clean people. And I grew up and went to college and I saw some women and I was like, okay, so you didn't learn this, right? Like everyone is coming from a different place. And so, yes, there are many healthy behaviors, some toxic, some that are just inappropriate. There's a lot going on there. But today we are talking about intentional mothering or parenting. And we're going to dive into seven practices to shift, to help you shift into intentional mothering. So shall we dive into number one, Dom? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All right. So number one is cultivating mindfulness. Sit with that for a second. Yes. Nice place to take a deep breath. Yeah. So T, how would you define mindfulness in terms of mothering? I would say for me, Dom, well, let me just say one thing I realized growing up, there was a lot of reacting. So there was a lot of just very quick, I want to say chaotic movements. So like you did something you weren't supposed to do, bam, you get the backhand to the face. Like it was just, everything was very reactive. And so for me, mindfulness means pausing, taking a moment, feeling your feelings. Actually, this happened today, this evening at bad time with my two-year-old. She got this new baby doll. Her grandmother bought her this new baby doll. And it's one of those baby dolls with a soft body and a big old head. So it's a cute little baby doll. But 
has a very hard head and we're walking into the bathroom and she drops the baby doll. She has a baby doll in her hand. She drops it and it falls like right on my eye. And you know, I'm a human. So you feel that shit and you're like, what the fuck? And I was just like, mm-hmm. okay. So I told her, I said, wait a minute. And she started crying. And I was also feeling my feels because I just got hit in the goddamn eye. I'm like, I hope I don't get a bruise that it looks like a black eye. Right? Like I'm just going through all of this and we're trying to do baths, you know, brush your teeth and all that. So I just told her, I said, I need you to wait a minute. Mommy just got hit in the eye with the baby doll. My eye hurts. I just need a moment. Okay. So I'm talking through it with her as I'm breathing, as I'm helping myself to self-regulate. And so I think for me, mindfulness allows me to slow down, become aware of how I feel, gather myself before I just react. And I try to do my best to respond versus reacting. And so, yeah, for me, it's taking deep breaths. And my baby is, I told you she's two and I call it the transformative twos because I do not receive the terrible twos. I don't receive that. I'm not speaking that. And so breathing and talking through how I feel, I think it's helpful. It's helpful for me. It's also helpful for her as far as like mirroring that behavior. I remember recently, another example, I've walked past her room, saw her drawing on her baby doll's face. She knows she's not supposed to do that. So I walk by and she looks up at me and looks like a deer in headlights. And I'm like, Okay, she just gave it away. What's she here doing? So I'm peeking over at her. And I'm like, okay, I didn't raise my voice. I just spoke to her. And I told her, like, we don't do that. We only write on paper. And I just, you know, spoke to her through it, gave her a wipe, let her clean the baby doll. So I think for me, it's all about just being intentional, right? Mm -hmm. With the way that I'm responding, but also being mindful of how I feel. Sometimes I need to take a breath and walk away. So for me, sometimes mindfulness means removing myself from the situation and not engaging. That was a mouthful. I, I, no, I love that. And I think that those examples are really good examples of when your children be testing you because they're going to test you. And they never stop testing you. Gr- they could be grown, grown, and you might feel like you're being tested. You know, that's what it is. And if you really are trying to be mindful, I love what you said about not being reactionary when we move into spaces of reacting instead of taking that time to pause and really get clear on one what just happened and then two how do we want to respond in a way that is not going to escalate the situation that takes a lot like you have to be having multiple thoughts at the same time in order to navigate those situations. It takes a lot of flexibility, agility, and nimbleness to be able to be mindful in that moment when your child is testing your gangster. Okay. <laughs> Period. Yes. They, will, they will do it. <laughs> They really will. And I think part of what helps is the example that you gave, right, of taking those deep breaths. Like, I think, and, and, and modeling that for your child. Mm-hmm. So saying to your child, mommy needs a moment. Mommy was just hit. Mommy is hurt. Mommy needs a moment. To collect herself. And in that moment, 
you're collecting yourself, but you're also like, how do I respond? Because what I really want to do, if this was somebody else, I might I might have hit back. I might have popped off. But this is my child. And I want my child to learn how to respond without aggression. And so let me take a moment to acknowledge that my eye is hurt because shit, it hurts. I hope it doesn't bruise. And we're also in the middle of bad time. And if I derail us too far from the routine, then that sets off a whole nother domino effect of negative behaviors. So how fast can I collect myself? How fast can I assess make sure that my eye really isn't, there's no blood, there's no bruise? Take some deep breaths so that I'm no longer mad at this child for hitting me with the doll. And re-engage in the bath time routine. That's a lot. It is. It is a lot. But one of the things that we both touched on, Dom, we touched on mirroring good behavior. And it's a great practice for me, too, because your kids be watching us. Our kids watch us. Even when we even when we don't think they hear something, it's like it takes one time for them to just repeat something and make it a part of their practice. Like she just started saying, hey, yo. And I'm like, who says that? Because we don't say that in my house. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. I'm like, who? She heard one person maybe out on the street say it. And I'm like, damn, now we got to get that out of her. But one of the things I want to share too, Dom, is when it comes to the mirroring. So she gets really frustrated with some of her baby dolls when she's trying to put them down for a nap and put cover on them. And so she gets really, really, just really frustrated physically and visibly. And it's sometimes triggering because it's like, why are you screaming? Why are you yelling? So one of the things we've been doing is I'll have her and I'll do this with her, put her hand on her chest and say, I'm okay. I'm calm. I got this. And then we take deep breaths together. So she repeats after me and says it. And it's really helpful because it helps me to calm down. It also Mm -hmm. helps her to calm down and self-regulate. And I'm sure as we continue to do that, she will continue to do that without me as well because she does other things that are very similar to that. The other thing I wanted to share because I have a song that I created. Now, y'all don't judge me. Don't laugh at me. But I'm going to just say the words of the song. So the song goes like this. <laughs> and this is so helpful. I've been doing this for a while. Mommy has patience. Mommy has patience. I can take deep breaths like, ah, and then I take a deep breath. And then she'll say her name and she'll do it. Baby Z has patience. And she'll do the same thing. And I'm telling you, as silly as it might sound, you might be laughing as you listen to this, but it be working. It's it be genius. working. That it's is so helpful, Dom. And I see, and she she repeats after. And the last thing I promise is apologizing. I think taking responsibility and apologizing. I often say, like, if I drop something, I often say, "Mommy made a mistake," so that she knows, like, "Mommy's human. It's okay for mommy to make mistakes." And if I do something, like. We were walking or something. I may have bumped her and I said, oh, I apologize. And she looked up and laughed, but letting her know, like, it's okay for mommy to apologize and take responsibility. Mm -hmm. I'm not above apologizing because I'm wrong sometimes and I do make mistakes. So that's all I want to say. I think that that's beautiful. I think that with the, particularly with the song, that's how kids learn. And if you use, because as you were singing it, I was like, I know this melody. Like this melody is like a part of like, four or five different nursery rhymes. Like, I know, I know this. Can't call it right now. It's going to come to me later. 
but I know four or five nursery rhymes with that melody. And that is what helps kids learn. And so if you make a song out of something, because if we think about all the TV, the kids' TV shows, every kid's TV show has music because that's how the kids are learning the new skills. So you make a song out of it and now it's fun and they're taking it in. I love that. I love that. So then this brings us to our second practice, which is prioritizing self-care. Now, lady, y'all know that I am a big proponent of self-care and I talk often about how there's layers to it, right? And I recognize that for moms, self-care often has to look has to look a little different than it looks for the rest of us. Right? So I'm I'm not saying that moms can't go out there and get that massage or take that bubble bath. But realistically, what we know is that moms have to prepare and do a lot, take a few more extra steps in order to make that happen. And so I think prioritizing self-care for moms really comes down to the daily tasks that you do to make sure you're good. And so for me, when I think about what those daily tasks are, like what I've told moms before is look at what time you're waking up in the morning, right? Look at what time you're going to sleep at night. Maybe, maybe you wake up a little bit earlier so you can get some time to yourself, right? And whether that time to yourself is exercising or meditating or taking that, starting your day with that bubble bath, right? But look at your own schedule and see where you can fit in some time to yourself. For some people, it might not be, depending on what your work-life balance is, it might not be in the morning or at night. Maybe you have a few hours in the middle of your day before you have to get the kids home from school or daycare. So that's where you take the time for yourself. And it's something that you do on a daily basis. And it could only be five minutes. But those five minutes could make all the difference between you having the capacity to slow down and be mindful or being reactive. All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady. As you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. 
Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A to the men, Dom. And speaking of those extra steps that mamas have to take, let me just say, I'm a firm believer that many of us have heard this, right? Put your mask on first. I believe that mothers, especially, mm-hmm. we need to put our mask on first because it's not easy. And it often requires sacrifice, but it can pay dividends when it comes to our self-care practice and what it looks like. So for me these days, I sacrifice my sleep in the morning. So I go work out at 6 a.m. with my trainer three days a week. I Mm -hmm. typically take baths, you know, I was going to say by myself, obviously, but I take baths (laughs) after bedtime. And sometimes I even believe that setting boundaries can be an act of self-care. And this may sound mean to some moms out there, but let me give you an example. So ever since my daughter was very young, I started this. Now I breastfed my baby for 15 months. I've given her all of me. So sometimes mommy has a snack and it's mommy's snack. And so mm-hmm. I'll be eating my snack because she'll be looking at me with her beautiful big eyes. And I'm looking like, yes, baby, mommy has a snack. This is mommy's snack. And so if you want a snack, I'll give her one of her snacks, right? I'll say, if you want a snack, you can have this snack, but this is for me. And it feels really good setting that boundary for me because it allows me to one, have something for myself. And I, yes. I tell you, those small moments, it may seem very small, like, oh, you eating that Snickers, you're not going to share. But having something for yourself sometimes, even if it's just a Snickers, it really does, it really does do something for you. It really can, it right? And yeah. even when, when I think about the morning 
routine that I have, right? Going to the gym. Today was actually a really great day for me. I meditated in the morning. And because I was able to prioritize myself first, now at the end of the day, when she tested me and she's being a toddler, she's doing her thing or other things in life pop up that try to irritate me or trigger me, I am more at ease. I ate really well. I was drinking my water today, y'all. It's minding my business. Like I was doing all that. And so now at the end of the day, after a long ass day of work and mothering, and now Dom and I are recording the podcast, I have a bit more energy to give. My cup is overflowing. So I have yes. something to pour into the podcast, into our community, because I've already sold into myself. Yeah, I love that. And so now let's look at practice number three. Always be learning. Always, always. I think that there is something that I usually say, like I like to learn something new every day. It could be something major or it could be something small. But I think for moms, what is helpful is recognizing that times change. I was hanging out with some of my homegirls this weekend and one of them has a 10-year-old and then an almost one-year-old. And she was sharing how the differences between some of like the technology and some of the resources that are available for her almost one-year-old that weren't anywhere on anybody's radar when her 10-year-old was born. And so to me, I think it's important for us to always be in a space of learning and having that willingness to recognize that there might be an easier or different way of doing something that we've always done that could make our life a little bit more enjoyable. I was just thinking about your friend, Dom. I can only imagine the difference in parenting because of what we have access to now and just because of how times have changed so much in the past nine years. So raising a 10-year-old and then a one-year-old, wow. Just, yeah, I can only yeah. imagine. I yeah. will say, I saw this quote and the quote said, our history becomes our reflex. And my mind was like, Psh. and for me, what that means is as someone who grew up in a violent household, right, where I was physically abused, verbally abused, mentally abused, I knew that no matter how much I didn't want to repeat that cycle, I had the propensity to become what I experienced because it's in me. Yep. It's yep. sort of innate, right? It's like, this is my mm -hmm. default because I experience violence. If I don't do the work, I might be a violent person because that's literally what I witnessed. That's what's really in me, right? And so if I don't equip myself with tools, I very well may become the mother I always said I didn't want to become. And so mm -hmm. when we're in those moments, it's easy to pull from what we know, right? What's, what's on our proverbial shelf and what's familiar to us. And if you think about it, right? Let's say you're at home, you're like trying to eat healthy, but you got cookies and cakes at the crib and it's late at night. And you're like, oh, I'm trying to eat healthy, but what's easy? What's available? I'm going to go to the stuff that's there. I'm not going to go to the grocery store in the middle of the night and go buy a salad and do all that. I'm going to just go with what I know. And so I have found that in addition to me saying, oh, I don't want to be like my mom. I don't want to do the things that my mom did. I don't want to do the things that I witnessed. That's not enough, 
We have to replace what we've experienced, replace what we've witnessed with tools and see if they work. And so right now I'm reading a book called, Oh Crap, a Top, wait, it's called, Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler by Jamie Glowacki. And so far it's really good. There are some tips and some perspectives that I'll probably share later in the episode about what I've learned so far, but that has been so essential to me, Don, because a lot of times people that have grown up in dysfunctional and abusive households, they'll simply say, I don't want to become that. But then there's nothing else that we do after that to ensure that we don't become what we don't want to become. Right. And I think it's also important too to ask questions, right? That's how you continue that. That's how you're constantly learning is you ask questions. If you don't know Ask someone, be mindful of your sources and recognize that sometimes it's more helpful to, to, as you're trying to learn how to navigate a situation, to generate information from multiple people with multiple experiences, right? So if you're trying to navigate Potty training a toddler, which I know is a hard thing for parents to do. Maybe it's you're asking someone who is like a grandparent or a great grandparent. So you're getting some generational wisdom. Maybe you're asking someone who is another, you know, maybe a couple of decades older. But then maybe you're also asking moms at your child's daycare. So you're pooling your resources to help to give you as much of a knowledge base as possible to help you in your decision making. And that's how you always like you can constantly be learning. That is so key, Dom. I think community is so important, especially when it comes to this parenthood journey, because sometimes parents can be, can be ghetto, y'all. OK, it could be ghetto out here in these parenting streets. So. Don, that takes us to practice number four, which this is one of my favorites, y'all. Add affirmations to your daily routine. And we've done episodes about affirmations. And I just believe that affirmations are so important because we hear so much in our daily life, whether it's media, social media, that we're not good enough, right? You got to buy this thing or tweak this thing or snatch this waist or just some, there's always something telling us that we need to do something to be good enough. And so I truly believe that us, Stating affirmations for ourselves, but also for our children can really help to reprogram our mind and give us something fresh and positive that we can lean on throughout the day so that that internal dialogue can be a bit more positive. And so as someone who was verbally abused when I was younger, I experienced firsthand what it's like to be far removed from my trauma and my abuser, right? Being 3000 miles away from where I'm from but still being haunted by the things that were said about me, right? When I was younger. So whether you heard, you know, you're dumb, you're ugly, you're stupid, whatever it might be, those things tend to stick with us. And I saw another quote online that said, the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that one more time for the people in the back. The way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. And I am a living witness that that is the truth. Because a lot of times when we hear that negative self-talk, we have to ask ourselves, where did that come from? Who did that come from? Because a lot of times we weren't born saying negative things about ourselves. 
So it came from somewhere, right? And so ever since my daughter was in my stomach, I've been reciting affirmations to her. When I rock her to bed at night, I'm stating affirmations and she repeats them now. When we're in the bathroom brushing her teeth, I state affirmations. We say them in the mirror together. And I also try to focus on non-physical affirmations. So we'll do the, I'm beautiful. I love my hair. I love my brown skin. We also say, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I'm healthy, I'm smart, I'm strong, I'm kind, I'm a critical thinker. We say all of these things in the mirror. And I truly believe that, I mean, we know words are energy and filling our babies, their, their heads with this positive affirmations, that will then become their internal dialogue. That will become their default. So when some some shorty comes up to them when they're growing up and they're like, oh, you fine? It's like, oh, yeah, I already know that. I know. My mom and my daddy been telling me that since I was, you know what I mean? Like, I know that mm-hmm. about myself. So it's it's really important. I mean, what else do I need to say? You you covered it. Like, for real. Like, And I, the one thing I will add is going back to that song, right, of using affirmations in the form of song also helps. Go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, I, so Snoop Dogg, shout out to Uncle Snoop. Snoop Dogg has this amazing, I don't know what it's called, but we got to put it in the show notes. These amazing affirmations. So we listen to Gracie's Corner. Pandora. Oh, I love some Gracie's Corner. Gracie's mm-hmm. Corner is the truth, right? We've got to get them on the podcast. We listen to Gracie's Corner on Pandora on the way to um, daycare. And so Snoop Dogg, his children's mix comes on and he has an affirmation song and she's repeating them in the back of the car. Like today is going to be a great day and all these positive affirmations. So I just wanted to say that real quick. Shout out to Uncle Snoop. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I love it. Like, and you get it in a song and then they... They keep repeating it, right? But then also for ourselves too. We need some music that is powerful and uplifting and positive and pouring into us as well. So then that takes us to our fifth practice. Create an ever-evolving parenting guide. So what does that look like? That means, and I'm going to highlight that word, ever-evolving. It's a guide for how you want to engage your child or your children, recognizing that things will change as your child develops, as society changes. And so your parenting guide, you know, One child, I think back to when I was growing up, and I came up in the era where people had beepers. Let me just say the college kids don't know what beepers are. So my mind was blown, but I had a beeper. And but by the time some of my younger siblings became of age to where they would be allowed to have a beeper. Beepers weren't a thing anymore. Cell phones were the thing to have. And so your parenting guide is going to constantly evolve based on, like I said, development, societal times. And if you have multiple children, you cannot parent each child the exact same way because each child is different. 
And so one child, you may have one child where all you have to do is slightly raise your voice and they're automatically responding. And that next child does not, does not bat an eye to your slightly raised voice. That child is the one who's really trying to test your gangster and wants you to come out of pocket before they engage you. And so you have to figure out how to navigate your different children while you are still being intentional and mindful. Dom, you hit the nail on the head with that because I was definitely going to speak to the fact that you cannot parent one child the way you parent all the children. Definitely learn that with my siblings. Everyone's so unique, right? Human beings are just so unique. And so there are different approaches. I am still working on my ever evolving parenting guide, but I think like you said, it does change as the times change. Also, as we change, we may gain Mm -hmm. a new perspective as we're always learning. And then we're like, oh, wait, I used to do this one thing. I don't want to do that anymore. So I would say when I think about the parenting guide that I'm building, it's going to include some best practices for this phase in my daughter's life. So thinking about what's my philosophy on discipline, right? And am I aligned on this philosophy with my partner, my in-laws, her caregivers, right? Are we all speaking the same language? Because that is so important. So important. That is so important. Also thinking about consequences, right? What are some of the consequences going to be for behaviors at this particular age and stage, right? When it comes to children, consistency is key. Consistency is key. Adults Adults too, everybody, everybody. It don't don't stop in childhood. Everybody, consistency is key for everybody. You already know, because once you let them slide with one thing, that one time, they're going to think you can do it all the time. And in the book I mentioned earlier, one of the things they introduced was this parenting philosophy. And I'm like, okay, I can dig this. Like I resonate with this. And so they say from zero to six years old, this is for governing, right? From Mm -hmm. six to 12, you have gardening. And from 12 to 18, you have guiding. And I thought this really resonated with me. They talked about how sometimes people mix it up and you think that from zero to six, you can guide them when it's like, no, no, no. They need a lot more. They need some governance in this stage and age. They don't know. They're, they're new blank slates in the world. They need some governing, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. then gardening and guiding. So I was like, okay, so I'm still reading the book, but learning what that looks like for me and my life and you know my partner and my daughter and like her stage and age. So it's interesting. It's a lot of work, y'all, but it's it's definitely important because one of the things that I also try to do, Dom, is I try to parent her in a way. I try my best to re- respond to her, even when we're one-on-one, in a way that, one, if she remembers it when she's older, she can look back on that moment and, and observe it. And I want I want her to be like, my mom did a good job. You know what I mean? I try mm-hmm. to do it as if a camera's watching me because I take those, like that, those moments are important. And I try my best right. to just really do a good job, you know? No, that's real. And I think, you know, I love that, that approach of recognizing that at different stages, you have to show up in a different way. Right. And so that to me, that governing really makes sense for that age. Because like you said, we laying down the law because you don't know any other way. And but laying down the law does not require you being overly aggressive or punitive. Laying down the law 
is helping them understand this is how things run. Gardening makes sense because now we're moving into this stage of I'm planting the seeds because of the seed. And you're always planting seeds, but there's a stronger emphasis on planting the seeds because they're absorbing more. And then once they hit that teenage stage, you're guiding because they are forming their own opinion. And they've taken the seeds that you planted, comparing that with what's going on around them and trying to figure it out. And so your role is to guide. And so your parenting guide is also going to change at each of those stages because how you show up for your two-year-old is not exactly going to be the same way that you show up when she's 16. And so then that takes us to practice number six. Hold space for connection and quality time. You know, that is so important. I mean, all these practices are important. And I can't stress enough the need for connection and quality time with your kids. And I want to be clear that it does not take a lot of money to connect and have quality time with your kids. Quality time doesn't even require you to leave the house. I remember growing up, I didn't think of it as quality time at the time, but when I look back on it, it was. For us, quality time, time for connection for the whole family was dinner. We had to all sit at that same table and eat at the same time until we got to be teenagers and our schedules got all over the place. But in those formative years, we all sat down at the table. And now sometimes the discussion got a little, little out of hand. Sometimes we were watching, usually it was we were watching the news and then watching like Wheel of Fortune or whatever came on after the news. So sometimes we're not like we're watching the news and discussing what we see on the news. But that was important time for us to connect. And I think, you know, one of the things that I was always grateful for in my relationship with my mom growing up was that I could always go to her and talk to her about whatever was on my mind. and. He made space for that. And so I think that as kids, you know, as you form your relationships with your kids, having making that time, bath time when they're really little, right? That is time to connect. That is quality time, even though on the outside it might feel like I'm doing this, I, this is just part of our regular routine. That can become valuable time to really form those lasting bonds with your kids. 
Your kids play sports. You hell, the car ride to school in the morning. I know sometimes as parents, you're like thinking about all the stuff you got to do when you get to work and you trying to listen to the grown folks radio. But maybe while the kids are in the car, that could be a great time to engage with them. That might be, you know, depending on your schedules, that 10 minute drive to school might be your only time to connect. And it might be valuable time for your kids. So don't sleep on those small moments throughout your day to day that could really prove to be long lasting connection points for you and your child. Oh, Dom, you on it, girl. Those were such great examples. I oh, I think about eating dinner as a family. That was like such a big I don't know. People, do people still do that these days? I don't oh, know. No. I yeah, I, I feel like we don't do it the way that we used to. But one of the things I've always been a fan of are like mother-child dates and father-child dates. So we used to have like a mother-daughter day where my sister and I would like go do stuff with my mom or we'd have like a father-daughter date where we go on dates with my dad and he'd like get us flowers and stuff like that. Those were some very special moments that I cherish and always remember. I remember I used to do that for my siblings when they were younger as well. And I also think that asking about your child's day is so important. Like I asked my little one about her day and she loves to... Tell me about how she went potty and she ate strawberries and stuff like that. And it just gets them in the habit of debriefing, debriefing and sharing about their day, what came up for them that day. I would also say that in my experience working with young people, young people are often underestimated and feel unseen by adults. Having worked with young people and children Mm -hmm. for years, what I often hear is like a common point of feedback is that one, They just don't feel like they're heard. They don't feel like they have space to share. Adults either try to always preach to them. And the thing about kids, kids are smart as hell. They have real feelings, emotions, and perspectives. And we should hold space for that and just let them talk. Let them just listen and let them talk and try our best not to get angry or upset. Because I remember when I was younger, my mom used to always tell us like, oh, you can come to tell me anything. And then we would come and tell our stuff. And then she'd snap on us. And we'd be like, well, damn, we, you said we could tell you anything. And we were trying to be open. And I've learned with my siblings, who child? I done told them over the years that they could tell me anything and they didn't told me anything and I've held space for them. And I appreciate the fact, like, I feel so honored that I'm the first person that they come to these days when they have something really big in their life that they want to share, you know, with someone. And sometimes I'm not always happy about it, but they know that there's a safe space and I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it a buck. I'm going to, you know, let them know what it is, but I also hold space in a loving way so they know that this is safe and you can come to me and I'm going to be honest with you, you know? So that's really important. Now, we're going to do a quick recap. I know you might be like, wait, what about number seven? We're going to tell you about number seven in just a bit. Now, anything else to add to number six or should we do our recap? Let's do the recap. Let's do the recap. All right. So practice number one is cultivating mindfulness. Practice number two is prioritizing self-care. Practice number three, always be learning. Practice number four, add affirmations to your daily routine. Practice number five, create an ever-evolving parenting guide. Practice number six, hold space for connection and quality time. And for practice number seven, well, lady, we know you got your own tips. We know you have some best practices that you might want to share. So go to our Instagram 
at Her Space Podcast and scroll down, depending on when you watch this or listen to this episode, scroll down to the red square and look at the look at the caption. It'll tell you what to do and drop your number seven on the caption so we can all share together. You can read the comments of other amazing Black women from around the globe and see what they're saying for practice number seven. And Dom and I are going to hop off and we're going to go record the after show. So if you want to watch us on video or tune into the after show, visit herspacepodcast.com, click on Patreon, become a sister friend, and you can chat with us daily in our Slack channel and watch the after show. So deuces, we'll catch you in the after show. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at herspacepodcast.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I am worthy of what I desire, period. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.